Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show. Well, thank you once again for joining us. We are on episode 159. It is for Monday, March 30th, 2015. Uh, so thank you for joining us and as always, it's Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I've had a brilliant day, to be fair. I've had the best day of the year so far. Why have you had the best day of the year so far? I've just spent some quality time with my kids, my okay. family, and just it really felt good. Oh, good. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on because um, you went to see something today that we uh, we want to talk a little bit about, which will be cool. So uh, let's tell you what's going on with the show this week. We've got news and rumours and closures and all those bits and pieces to start off with. Then we're going to be talking about the Great Disney Brit Cook-Off, where we had a go at creating some chickeny, pastory, nicey thingy. We're going to then talk about Tomorrow's Child. We've got no end to Tomorrow's Child, where I think I'm about to demonstrate the weakness in my Disney knowledge, if I'm honest. <laughs> where we asked uh, the kids to describe their favourite Disney character. And uh, I must admit, some of them have definitely stumped me i've got ideas but whether or not they're true i have no idea uh, alan has been to see the new cinderella and he's going to talk a little bit about cinderella and frozen fever and then we've got to the ultimate attraction that we're going to be talking about as well so uh, disney's ultimate attraction is going to be coming later on and we're going to talk a little bit about that and as we're getting towards the point of um sort of some of the bigger attractions starting to go out we want to take a little bit more time with ultimate attractions so we are going to talk a little bit about each attraction as it disappears um, because um, I think that's only fair because we've got some good ones that look like they're going to be leaving us this week as well uh, have I missed anything? that seems rather quick like I've gone through all of that uh, I could waffle on the fact that I've started to watch um, Once Upon a Time oh you have? yeah how, how have you found it? Um, have you seen it? no not yet I, I kind of half watched one episode I think and then I get a chance to rest we're, uh, we're attempting Game of Thrones at the minute which is a completely separate thing altogether yeah t- totally not Disney that no not at all um, well with Once Upon a Time I was unsure. Started watching it. I realised that I'm about four years out of date on it, and we're not obviously covering something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, But when we sort of started to watch it, it sort of goes between the fairy tale, cartoonized Disney characters, or fairy tale characters, I should say. Yeah. And the real world, or the, in speech marks, real world. Yeah. And at first, I thought, oh, this is so rubbish. It was. It was just the way that the. It was too fairy tale. Yeah. But then when it almost looked as though it was almost a dream, it was like, actually, this is getting quite good. You and then they go improved. back into the fairy tale world where you see, I don't know, the evil queen walking through a castle, which looks very badly produced. It was computer animation right? in the background. And some of the sets are quite poorly constructed. But then when it's in the real world, it's, it's much better. We oh, are okay. actually starting to become addicted to it. So it's, it's your new addiction then? It is my new addiction. I've done the Breaking Bad... I'm working through some of the other things on Netflix. And right, okay. 
once upon a time is well, the last when we were out in Disney World, it was the point where Arnhem and Elsa were going to appear in it, and uh, there was a lot of posters and ups, and there was sort of adverts on the buses and things like that for it. But sadly, I've never watched it, and I, I should really when I when I get the chance to have a look at that. I will. Um, I will. Particularly now it's on Netflix, else. it makes it a lot easier for everyone. Mm, yeah, definitely. So I'll, I'll I'll have a look at that at some point. Uh, just a big thank you to you for uh, your feedback. So people have been uh, emailing us and messages about uh, Disney Rip Bite Size, which is the alternate week show. So this is the main Disney Rip Radio show, which uh, is usually a slightly longer, and we talk about some slightly different topics and things and bits and pieces. And then we've got Bite Size, which um, that kind of the way it works is that we um, take a topic based on a sketch that we've done in a previous show. So uh, last week we looked at the four park icons and we talked about the four park icons and we had a bit of a debate as to which one Hollywood Studios was and uh, we've had some really positive uh, comments back from people so thank you very much. In fact the uh, Dizpod Survivors uh, which is uh, something that goes on online which is to do with different Disney podcasts um, hadn't really hadn't heard us before and uh, sent us a lovely tweet about how much how they were pleasantly surprised by the stuff that we've done and they really enjoyed it so that's all good news i suppose I've, isn't it? I've, I've heard a lot of good feedback coming back off this disney bit bite size yeah and this, the weird thing is i'm getting more feedback from the bite size than i am the normal, the normal show show i suppose it's something different isn't it something we've not necessarily done before um yeah. so it's not the usual norm but you know a lot of people like it we're still making craig lucas sob apparently at the end music uh, he has to listen to the rest of the bump that we do in order to get to the end music but you know he's, he's quite enjoying that apparently so he probably fast forwards it uh, but if you've got any comments uh, any anything at all email us radio at disneybrick.com and you know we, we listen to feedback if it's not if there's something we do that you don't like or something you want us to do then do talk to us and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do about it right talking about uh, things that we do regularly it's time for some news and rumours good morning sir good morning Zazu checking in with the morning report. Fire away. Right then, let's talk Disney news and rumours and uh, what we've got going on here then. So it is our two by three, I think it's all uh, right. So here we go, let's see what's going on. So cruising in the UK. Trader Sam I am. And Wi-Fi, why not? Okay, so there are three bits of news for this week. So let's delve straight in. Cruising around the UK, what an interesting one that is. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Disney Cruise Lines. Now, you know that we do our cruise lines. Alan is off on the Disney cruise ship in May. I've been lucky enough to do several around the Mediterranean and to go to the Caribbean, Bahamas, all those sort of bits and pieces. And um, what I noticed was a new cruise that Disney have announced this week that's going to be happening and sailing out of... uh, well, sailing out of the UK from Dover on the 6th of June 2016. Um, it's a, we found it, it's an unusual one because of the itinerary. They're calling it the 12 Night British Isle Cruise. And it is going to do exactly that. Bar one destination, it is going around the British Isles in that particular area and stopping at an awful lot of uh, locations around the way to give people a flavour of what the British Isles are like. So to give you... Um, the different places it's going to be staying in. So it's 12 night cruise. It's going to be going to Newcastle, England. It's going to be uh, 
Invergordon, which is for Loch Ness, Kirkwall in Scotland, Greenock, or uh, Greenock, sorry, in Glasgow and Edinburgh, Liverpool, England, Dublin, Ireland, Le Havre for Paris, and St. Peter's Port in Guernsey. Um, now, a really bizarre, unusual itinerary, and I, I was looking at it and thinking, this is, this is interesting. So let's go from Dover, let's go to some very interesting places, and it's got some days at sea as well. So apparently it takes two days to get from Dover to Newcastle. Nah, you can try them much quicker. <laughs> There's blatantly going to be some circling going on there. Um, Newcastle, then up to Scotland the next day, to Kirkwall the next. There's a day at sea before it goes to Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, which again is... Greenock, is it a day? Is it a day and a half? Probably not. Um, does this interest you, Alan? Um, I don't think I'd... Well, to, to be fair, the, the main thing you're going to be going for is shore excursions. Yeah. And to be fair, being in the UK, we could probably drive to them much quicker. And probably cheaper. Yeah. Is, is, is there any prices well, mentioned for it I'm just having a look at that now to see whether any prices have come out. Now, I know if you are American, you listen to this, then, you know, this would be quite an interesting excursion for you to have a go at and to take part in. You know, certainly um, this idea of being able to go around Great Britain on a Disney cruise ship is a pretty interesting one. Uh, just bringing it up now, yeah. So, at present, uh, June the 5th, 2016, for myself... Uh, Harry and Zoe to go on this cruise on June the 5th for the three of us in the category 11C cabin is going to be £5,943 I'll drive you quicker and cheaper yeah, we'll, we'll quite happily do a for that price we'll do a personalised tour and we'll stop us a few places on the way um, that's a lot of money six grand for, for four grand you could come and visit the studios of the northern side of Disney Brit. <laughs> we'll even put you up. That's yeah, a, you can stop in a downstairs bedroom. It is colder, but you'll feel the benefit. That's a lot of money. I've got to admit, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't spend that sort of money on a cruise like that. But if you are, you know, inclined to want to tour the UK in a slightly different way, and, and obviously you've got Dublin and things in there as well, and you've got Paris, then it's for you, without a shadow of a doubt. I think it'd be a really interesting one. They're doing the... Um, they're doing the Iceland and Norway cruises again. I know they've got a seven-night. They're doing Dover to Barcelona cruise in July. Um, and then they're going to be going... I, th I believe they're going to be doing their usual itineraries then from that point onwards. Uh, do you know, do you know what I'm quite excited about, to be honest? What's that? Newcastle has got a, a river. We're on the, the Tyne River. Yeah. And where I used to live in Newcastle, there used to be a big, massive sand dredger boat. Yeah. And it would turn right outside my old bedroom. Yeah. Like three o'clock in the morning, the boat would be spinning around in the river, literally meters from my house. And you'd just hear the engine going, chug, 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 chug. <laughs> yeah. And it would rattle the house. Yeah. So I know that the time can support a big boat. However, how far up would you be able to get the Disney Cruise Line ship? I don't know. They, they, they must have to tender, I would think. Because they, they say Newcastle, England. Are they actually bringing you to Newcastle, England, or, or they're bringing you to the the big major port, which is North Shields? They're probably going to do North Shields, but they're not going to say North Shields. They're going to call it Newcastle. Um, and just looking at some of the other prices as well, August time, uh, you've got a 12-night Med and Greek cruise. That's cheapest currently for us three, would be 6000 Seven nights, um, 
med crews, which is their uh, itinerary C, which is doing um, Naples, City of Ecchia, La Spezia, Cannes, and then Barcelona. That's going to be um, 3,656. If I want to do their itinerary B, which is Naples, Cittavecchia, La Spezia, Villefranche, and then Barcelona, back to Barcelona, 3315. So, yeah. Disney um, cruises are not cheap at all, are they? They're not. Well, no, cruise lining, cruising in general seems to have gone up in price recently. Uh, they have also got the other one, which is on the 27th of August. That's Barcelona, Day at Sea, Naples, Cittavecchia, La Spezia, Villefranche, and the Day at Sea, and back to Barcelona. That's 2862 for the three of us. So, you know. But I don't think I'll be doing it. I think we're going to, we'll be back in Florida next summer anyway. So there we go. I hope. We'll see. Hopefully when the building stopped. Only when the building stopped. Okay, let's leave Disney Cruise Line behind. Um, what's going on with Trader Sam's? A good question. Because yesterday... I can't date the podcast, though. Right, okay. In the past weekend, there's, um, there was a preview section for podcasters and anyone that wants to go yeah. along to have a look at... Trader Sam's in the Polynesian Resort, and Trader Sam's grog grog, grog I can't even say it, I'm I'm not drunk, grog grotto, and tiki terrace. Yeah, is um one of the new um themed bars that's going to be opened up. You'll be able to go along for drinks, speciality drinks, and some snack food. Now, the, the theme inside is very very tiki, and little bit jungle cruise in a way and some older attractions are sort of wormed in there as well and one of the main things that's been pulled through it is the um 20,000 leagues under the sea yeah right lots of references to that um in trader sam's over on the duh, 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 west coast yeah uh, disneyland yeah they've got a um a ship in a bottle now the ship itself animates and it it's it's absolutely fantastic. The video. Yeah, I don't believe the they've got that here. No, I don't think they have. They either. do have got have a diver's helmet that is filled with water. Cool. Now I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that, but it seemed to be a focal point behind the bar. Um, they've also got a lot of themed glasses, and mm-hmm. um, that is one of the things that's popular over at the other Trader Sam's. And some of these glasses, like there's a, a pearl shaped glass. There's a shrunken head. There's a one in the shape of Nautilus. There's like lots of different ones, and you know I think this is going to be a very very busy destination. It certainly looks there like is, it. It's in the right sorry, location the, to be as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, without doubt. The, the, in, the inside of the um, Trader Sam's doesn't seem that large. Um, I'm I'm guessing 50, 60 people maximum. Oh wow. Okay. Right. Um, it's it's probably more than that because. You know, these things look small when you're looking at pictures. Obviously, I've not been there, been stuck in the UK. I will be going there over when I go on my holidays. Yeah. Which leads me to say that they haven't actually said when it's going to open exactly, apart from towards the end of April. Okay, so we're looking sometime in the end of April. Then we've got another month-ish until that's going to open. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, now, there's, as I said, there's lots of cocktails, because that's one of the main things that I think is going to be pulling people there. Yeah. Um, there's a hippopotami tie, yeah, which I like that that one. Krakatoa punch, right? There's the uh, tiki 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 rum, <laughs> nice. Um, Castaway crush, uh, oa, Polynesian pearl, yeah. and Nautilus. Now I'm gonna say that the uh, oa, yeah, 
from what I understand, is when you order that one, the Tiki Goddess Oa yeah. comes into action in the bar. Right. Which I, th- I think, you know, if, if you're going to go to these bars, yeah. there's always going to be at least one person ordering one of these specialty cocktails, isn't there? Yeah, you would think so. It's part of the, the kind of experience, isn't it? Yeah. And I think you're, you're there for the fun. Yeah. But, you know, if you've been sitting in there for two hours, slowly sipping your drink chatting away and all of a sudden all this interactions going on of is it going to do your head in i don't know well i suppose it happens in places like the rainforest cafe and stuff like that it doesn't necessarily do your head in and it certainly didn't do your head in at adventurous club no 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 that, that's the, that's well the adventurous club was totally different in a way because it was a set routine yeah that's true as in that the adventurous club guided you through the night yeah and for us we, we were looking back at it and we said that there was a lack of time to buy drinks because you didn't want to miss yeah, out. You're always yeah, being shuffled into the next room. So you, so what, you seem to not be spending your money. What are we looking at price-wise for drinks? Right, well, um, I'm going to guide you through a cocktail called the Nautilus. Okay. So, tonight, Adam. Yes. Let's see if you can guess what the price is right for the Nautilus. Island natives claim that the mysterious vessel once somethinged these local waters. Should it surface again, prepare to dive in and enjoy a whale of a tail. Okay. This cocktail contains rum, some other rum. Actually, have you got a pencil there, Adam? Yeah. Right, what I want you to do is to start um, trying to work out what you think you would actually pay for this cocktail. Okay, so I need to work out the, the actual cost of the cocktail if I was to buy it. Yes. Okay. Well, how, how much you're going to have to hand over to the counter to get this cocktail. Right, that's, okay. that's the way I've got to say it. So I've, um, I've, I've and got just, just for record, Adam hasn't got a copy of this on the show notes because I haven't given it. I have a slight issue. I have a pen. doesn't necessarily work, but I've got one. Go on then. Right, right, okay, so, so we've got some Barbonut Pango Rum. Yeah. We've got some Appleton Estate Reserve Rum. Yeah. We've got some Creme de Peche de Vin Liqueur. Right, French is coming back, excellent. Um, some Tropical Juices. Yeah. And something which is called Pala Rum. Okay, so we've got quite a lot of rum. Okay. I've I've got... I'm guessing that's um, like a a Bacardi. Right, I've got a rough price. I think that's going to Hang be on. Good. And also, this is oh, served geez. in a souvenir Nautilus. Right, okay. I think I've got a price. Go on then, Adam. Tonight, what is your price? I'm going to say... As it's got a souvenir glass, and I'm thinking about what it costs for things like specialist frozen margaritas and stuff in Epcot, that's going to cost you about $16. 16 Yeah. One six. One six. Hmm, very close. Very, very close indeed. Because the figure that I've heard back of this weekend, yeah. because bear in mind that these menus don't have any prices printed in yeah. them, I've heard $52. What? You are kidding me. $52? Well, as, as unfortunately as I can't see this printed down, that yeah. is what I've heard. And from people who have visited the weekend, they've mentioned, two different people have mentioned $52. And I'm like... Wow. Right, when you say replica Nautilus, are we talking about full-size replica here? Because $52, that's what I'd be expecting. Well, this thing looks a bit like a clog. It, it doesn't really look like the Nautilus. It looks okay. like a cross between the Nautilus so and... So um, apparently $52. Yeah, 
Maelstrom's vehicle. It wow. just... It, it astounds me that you'd pay as well, much as that. No, but it is pottery. Okay, what, what else we got then? What are the cocktails? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. You've um, knocked us out there. Um, there we've got the other one. Let's have a look at that. Yeah. I can't even tell you how much this one is, by the way. Okay. Um, we've got Mayer's Dark Rum. Right. Bacardi Souvenir Rum. Right. Well, it's not Souvenir Rum. Superior Rum. Yeah. Um, some orange. Okay. Passion fruit, guava, pineapple, uh, grapefruit juice. Yeah. Pale rum. Right. Cinnamon, fresh lime juice. Um, it's recommended for two. This one. Yeah. And it's served in a souvenir tiki bowl. Ah, oh, is this? This could. Is this the one where you chuck your um? You flick the cinnamon and stuff into the it fire. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Looks cool though, but. I, I don't know if this is just the way with them general Polynesian cocktails. There's a lot of rum in them. There does seem to be. Clearly. Krakatoa Punch, Sailor Jerry Spice Rum. Yeah. Um, Pirates XO Reserve Rum. Yeah. Have you ever had Sailor Jerry's? No. Lovely. I love Sailor Jerry's. Fair enough. Um, the Tiki 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 Rum. Do you know if that contains rum? I'm guessing it contains some sort of rum, yeah. Yeah, Pirate XO Reserve Rum. Oh, Cream, coconut, and pineapple, and some juice and stuff. So basically, it's a rum bar. It's a rum, rum bar bar. Hey. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there with so my wife go there, and my kids. What, when you, when you go over and you're going to go and see what it's like? Yeah, actually, this is a bit a bit more important information. I've also heard that this weekend that they've said that their operating hours for, for the bar is going to be 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 12 o'clock at night. Okay. Right, okay, so that's quite a long session for the, the bar to be open. However, from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 8 o'clock at night, yeah. it is going to be open for everybody. Right. From 8 o'clock onwards, it's going to be 21 and old, right. older. Fair enough. So, where I was going to go to Ohana's for me tea, and then I was going to go to the Tiki Bar afterwards. What are you going to do? do it before? Yeah, I'm going to have to get tanked up before I go for all my can eat. <laughs> Fair enough. It'll be fine. Right, okay, so that's a little bit of match radar sound. I'm sure we'll have some more info for you as that continues to come through. All right, let's talk about Wi-Fi. And you were pleased to know that all the Wi-Fi has been upgraded across all four parks. The upgrade is designed to improve both performance and network stability. Um, unfortunately, it does mean that they're removing support from some of the older devices that use the older 802.11b band. Um, good news, to be honest. Uh, one of the things I found sometimes is that the Wi-Fi was too slow, particularly if you're in the back end of the park, you know, sort of haunted mansion area. Then you went out to Storybook Circus, those bits and pieces where I had some connection issues when I was in, particularly the Magic Kingdom. Same thing with some of the Epcot bits and pieces as well. So it sounds like maybe they've started to sort this as good. Yeah, they've also um, discontinued um, you being able to use Palmicky. Yeah, well, Pal Mickey, I think, went a little while ago, didn't it? Um, yeah. So Maybe that was surprised. to allow the, the first iteration of Wi-Fi. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, not surprised that Pal Mickey's gone. I know they reported that. It's got to be, I want to say, towards the end of last year, they announced that was happening as, as the My Magic Plus stuff was sort of integrated. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to feel a bit uh, awkward now carrying my giant laptop around with the big, massive batteries <laughs> trying to get the really slow Wi-Fi. Yes, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, I think um, most people change their phone every sort of yeah, three to so four years, I'd say, at least. What, how old are we talking device-wise for an, for the 802? 
Um, well, it referred to iPods. So we're talking about, yeah, really old. Yeah, so oh, I, I, I think, well, Apple, for example, I don't think you can get a simple iPod anymore. No, you can't. It's all iPod um, Touch. You, you're essentially getting the iPod Touch, yeah. which is essentially a an iPhone, iPhone without the phone. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is absolutely daft. So it's fine. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to think that it's not going to impact on that many people's lives. No, but it I know do. some people do I mean, like to hang people, on to the technology for a very long time. Will, it will affect, but most people it won't. So there we go. They've updated that. Well, let's talk about refurbs then. Walt Disney World. If you're heading over to the Magic Kingdom, then some advance warning that from the 14th to the 17th of April, It's a Small World will be closed. Jungle Cruise will be closed from the 13th of April to the 8th of May. Nothing shut in Epcot, which is good news. And in Animal Kingdom, you'll find Flame Tree Barbecue closed until the 31st of March. So the next couple of days, that'll reopen. And Creature Comforts, which is possibly turning into a Starbucks, we don't know, is going to be closed until June 14th. Everything's open in Hollywood Studios at the moment and in downtown Disney. Just a reminder, the roadworks at Buena Vista Drive will continue into spring 2016 as they widen the roads to 10 lanes, which will include a dedicated bus lane and pedestrian bridges. Right, Disneyland Paris. I've got a feeling I'm going to jump in there that I've started to see a photograph of bridges getting put in. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They're at that particular point. They're a major advance, that. Yeah, definitely. Right, what's happening in Disneyland Paris, Owen? Uh, Disneyland Paris is uh, is open for a lot of the time, I think. You've got the Space Mountain Mission Dirt that's going to be closed all April. Okay. Um, incidentally, it's, it's also closed the end of March. But um, I'm just assuming that it's the beginning of April already. Okay, fair enough. Mysterio de Nautilus cocktail is going to be closed all April. So that's two things next door to each other, both show all April. Yeah, they're going that's, that's me. Tra- I'm translating myself for you, by the way. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Captain EO is only closed April 1st. Dumbo closed to the 24th of April. And we've got the Phantom Manor closed the 1st to the 3rd of April. It's Avril, isn't it? Avril, yeah. Avril. And then we've got in the well, Disney Studios, we've got Cinemagique, the 1st to the 10th. Of Avril. Shut. Shut. Closed. Firmly. Yeah. There's um, Captain EO being closed on only the 1st of April. That's almost like a joke, isn't it? It's like an April Fool, isn't it? Something's gone on there, definitely. Yeah. There's something not quite right, because usually it would be the 1st to the 3rd, then the 5th to the 6th, yeah. or something like that. Something along those lines. Well, there you go. Is that everything that's shot? That's a short list. Yeah, I, I, was, I was. To be fair, I was quite amazed. Yeah, she's normally much, much longer than that. Right, that's the news and rumours and all those bits and pieces out of the way. We're going to take a very quick break. We shall return in a second, where we talk about the Great Disney Brit Cook-Off. We'll be back in two minutes. For the past ten years, Orlando attraction tickets have been providing the UK with cheap Disney tickets for Walt Disney World and the surrounding Orlando attractions. With a low deposit scheme of just £10 per person, you can book your tickets in advance knowing you're in good hands. Orlando Attraction Tickets are the only ticket company to allow you to pay your balance off in instalments online and with no credit or debit card fees, free UK sign for delivery and you are fed FastPass Plus enabled tickets now shipping. There is no other choice for your Orlando ticketing needs that are land or attraction tickets. Visit 
orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845-226-8523. That's orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845-226-8523. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Did he say he loved you? Did he steal a kiss? He was so romantic, I could not resist. It's time for the Great Disney Bricked Cook-Off and Alan. I, yeah. Do you know what? The amount of times. Anyway, um, what what were we doing this week, mate? Um, we did Katie Coyote's Grilled Chicken Pasta. I made you say it because I probably would have messed it up. Yeah, it was a recipe that was used in the Whispering Canyon yep. um, Cafe. I'm not 100% sure if it is still currently being used in their no, recipes i was trying to think when i was last there whether or not this was on the menu and i don't remember it being on the menu if i'm honest and um, yeah, i, I tend whenever i'm there i tend to just order the skillet anyway so well, we do as well but i was thinking when we looked through the menu whether it was on there but um do you know what i shall i shall have a look as we are talking thank you find out um well the, the recipe itself contained quite a few ingredients yeah and th- thanks for making it this one a complicated one no, no problem. I, f- I find that all Disney recipes are complicated, to be fair. So. No, that's true. Um, but one of the things that this recipe contained was what they call blackening powder. Yeah. Now, over in the UK, there's a good chance that you've never used it before. And blackening powder can be made of a lot of different recipes, but it's generally a mixture of dry herbs and spices that you then pat all over a, a bit of chicken or fish, and then you grill it, and the spices sort of cook into the, the meat. And... It adds such a great flavour to it. Now, what I've found um, in my experience for doing this recipe particularly is that I, I roll the, the chicken in the, the herbs and spice mix. Yeah. And when I grill and fry it, I fry it on a, in a relatively dry pan, it tends to keep all the juices and moisture into the meat. So I'd obviously on this recipe did it in chicken. Yeah. And when I was later on in the recipe slicing it up, all the juices start to come out of the meat and it, yeah. it is nice and moist still. It was it's absolutely delicious and plus the spices start to get into the flavour of the meat. I can confirm that it is no longer on the dinner menu for Whispering Canyon Cafe. Excellent. Well, it's on my menu, so uh, oh, yes, when, you, when you come around on your yeah. Disney cruise, it'll be served. Yeah, we'll still be there. 
seven yep. it up. Um, and again, a lot of the things that are on Disney recipes is a lot of ingredients. So we've had yep. shallots, um, cream, white wine, cheese, fresh thyme. Yeah. Which, because because I'm doing an authentic recipe, I tend to always buy the extra ingredients. So although you only use a little bit of fresh thyme, I get to buy a bit of fresh thyme. Okay. Um, you got garlic in there, salt, pepper. I'm just skimming through this now. Also, another thing that goes into this recipe is a lot of um, well, it's it's almost like stir fry veg, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the sort of thing I used. Um, and the colours that it's, the recipe puts together is quite pretty, really. I, I should have photographed uh, my pre- prep bowl. Right. Basically, what I do is <laughs> I, I slice up all my my vegetables and put them in a big bowl first. And just sort of arrange it so it's nice and ready just to add in as though I was doing a TV show yeah um, we had I think we had carrots red onions I didn't put any squash in there because I, I don't really like that sort of thing Fair enough. I did put one courgette in it though how dare you just the one um, not a zucchini it was a courgette um, broccoli a little bit of broccoli and one red pepper yeah I think the original recipe added um a red chilli pepper in it. Yeah, I think it did, if I remember rightly. A pabla- pablino, pablano. Something along those lines. And when I did the recipe the very first time, now, I, I, I admitted it out of this recipe for, for our purposes, yeah. but what they did in the original recipe was you put the chilli whole yeah. into a bowl with some oil, yeah. you then sort of put salt over the outside of it, then you used a flame to burn it, to burn off the outside of it, and then you sliced up the fleshiness without any seeds. And I was like, this is too much fat. I must admit, looking at it, it was like, wow. A, how many ingredients are there? And B, how difficult is this to prepare? Yeah. Um, which it, was... It, it got easier. Okay. Once, yeah, you, once you've yeah, got yeah. all the ingredients prepared, it's easy. Yeah, well, the thing is, the, the final result was, was great. You know, the taste was fantastic. It was creamy. You know, it was really enjoyable. Um, it wasn't... It, it's one of those things that actually, although it takes a long, long time to make, actually the results are, are really worth it. Totally. And um, we... Well, my, my mother came around, and I'm just trying to think. I'd, I'd tried to record the kids eating it. Now, I don't know if... Well, what, what, did, did Harry like it? Well, Harry didn't try it. We did this as a bit of an adult-only meal because we made it in the evening. Um, no, so right, Harry okay. didn't get a chance to try this one. To be honest, I don't think he'd have eaten it anyway. <laughs> so uh, the chances are he wouldn't have enjoyed it. But um, this was an adult-only meal, this one. All right. Well, my kids, as I mentioned previously, have refused yeah. to eat any Disney food now. Yes, I understand. Um, which is annoying. I tried to record it as a family meal. Yeah. And the... My, the People in the family in the house didn't really understand the idea of recording a response. Right. And my daughter did eat a little bit and then spat it out and went, <laughs> and that's all she said. Going well then. Thanks. So, yeah. So, it was, um, I loved it. My mum loved it. And Catherine does. So, uh, we've got that one. That was. Uh, we didn't have any photos or comments from anyone. So, I, I'm intrigued to see whether anybody made this because nobody told us if they had. Um, um, but one other thing I'm going to quickly add, though, yeah, I think it's absolutely genius adding the borsan cheese into a pasta dish. You know, yeah. it's melted cheese, yeah, soft pretty much, cheese. yeah, melted soft cheese. And it's got loads of flavour in it. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, well, if you did make it, let us know. We, we didn't hear from you if you did. But um, what you've noticed is if I choose them, they're usually desserts. If Alan chooses them, they're usually main courses. So it's my turn to choose this week. And we're heading back into the parks. We're heading to Hollywood Studios. And we're heading to the Brown Derby Restaurant. Because there, you can enjoy a banana toffee mousse on Cocoa Crunch. Om nom 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 nom. Mm, that sounds nice. So I've done it this for two reasons. One, because it sounds fantastic. Two, because it looks great. And three, because actually ingredients-wise, this is much, much easier to do than some of the ones that we've done in the past. Um, this has got one cup of white chocolate chips, two eggs, two egg yolks, one and a half tablespoons of sugar, one tablespoon of power gelatine, two tablespoons of water, one and a half medium bananas peeled and mashed, one and a half cups of heavy cream, 12 tablespoons crushed chocolate cookies, and one and a half a cup of chocolate-covered toffee pieces. I'm going to jump in there. Yeah, go on. I've noticed that it says serves 12. It does serve 12. Yes, this does serve 12. But I think, actually looking at the size of the desserts, they're actually quite small. So I think that you could probably double the size of them and then they would serve... They would or, or you could eat two or three of them. We could make two or three. Or you could half everything and then it serves six. Um, yeah. That's completely up to you how you decide to do it. But um, when I looked at it, and, and there's actually a video on, on Disney Brit. If you go to DisneyBrit.com, there's a video there that shows you step by step how they make these things. But um, the only one in there that we're looking at was half a cup of chocolate covered toffee pieces. I was like, what? How did we find that? Well, there's two. You can do your co chocolate covered toffees. But also, I think they're called, in Britain, you know, they're called toffee crisp clusters, I think they are. Those um, sort of things that they might be a, a useful thing to do as well. But. You certainly be able to find. I can remember something. I had some little tiny. Um... Oh no, they were fudge. Sorry. Oh, there you go. But that's over on Disney Brit. We've got two weeks to make that. So if you can make that in the next couple of weeks and uh, send us it in your uh, photos to radio at disneybrit.com, and we will uh, certainly put those up on the website and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks' time. And hopefully you'll uh, you'll join us with making that toffee mousse. Sounds good, doesn't it? I quite like the yeah, sound of that. Yeah, can he? It? It'll be on the uh, the Newcastle venue of the cruise ship. Yes, we'll be stood outside uh, the cruise ship selling toffee mousse to everybody and blackening powder. We'll be selling that as well. Um, so we can try both. It'll be absolutely fine. Right, that's the end of our cook-off then. I think it's time, is it not, to see if we can... Uh, well, see if we can completely destroy my knowledge of Disney characters. It's time for this. It's time for Tomorrow's Child. Two weeks ago, we asked you to send in um, audio of your children describing a Disney character. And two weeks before that, we asked you to send in audio of your children describing a Disney attraction. And I basically, I had to guess it. That was what the, um, the topic was. And I yeah. tried to engineer this, so you all had to send in what's a description for a character for Alan to guess. But somehow it still ended up back on me. And I'm not quite sure how this happened, but there we go. Um, now, I've just realised I've got to try and um, I've got to pull out some of the information that people have sent me the answers because Alan hasn't actually got the answers. So we've got two here that I want to play first. This is um, from William and Thomas, who um, missed the attraction one a couple of weeks ago and they were really devastated they did so they sent them in just in the hope that we might do them anyway so let's start with these two which are descriptions of disney attractions which i don't think i did too badly on a couple of weeks ago uh, there was probably one i got wrong but the rest of them were fine so here we go this is this is wills it goes round and round it goes up and down 
Goes round and round and up and down. My guess for that has got to be Dumbo. Um, this is from William, yeah. Yes, yeah, from William. No. Oh. It's in that case. It's probably Aladdin's magic carpet. Um, no. Oh. Uh, it's Dino. Is it Dino? No. Some. Goes round and round and up and down. Yeah. Doesn't exactly help. Carousel. No. Um. Don't know then. Go on, you have to tell me. Astro Orbiter. Oh, for goodness sake. Right, okay. It's the same thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How difficult was totally that? different. It's round and round and up and down. Okay, Thomas says this. It, it's your spaceship. You get to move around and, um, and you go in space. So, spaceship, you get Thank to move around, you get to go in space. Spaceship. To move around, you get to go into space. Bearing in mind how old Thomas is, I'm pretty certain he might. Well, I don't think it's going to be Space Mountain. I'm going to say Buzz Lightyear. Ooh, that that. I like I like the way that you came up with that idea or that answer. Yeah, but it's totally wrong. Oh, okay. Why is it? Star Tours. Star Tours. Right, this does not bode well, does it, for today. So, we asked you to send in audio of your children describing a Disney character, and I had to try and guess what it was. Okay, here is the first one. My favourite character is a pretty girl. She has a pet rabbit and two birds. She has a magic amulet. Okay. Right, that's from Grace from Liverpool. So, Grace, it's a, a pretty girl. She has two friends who are rabbits and some birds and a magical amulet. I think I know the answer to this. Well, she's wrong, but I know the answer to this. I think I do. I I think it's Sophia the First. Ooh, I like what you're, I like what you're thinking. And I'll be honest, yeah. I'm still trying to find the answer. Oh, okay. Well, I think that one's Sophia the First. Um, so, while you're trying to find the answer, we'll go on to Eves. This is Eves. Um, he's turquoise. He works for M.M. He disappears a lot. He leads a double life and saves the day. Okay, now I've been rocking my brain. So we got this one about the day after the show came out last week, two weeks ago. And I've been racking my brains with this one and I'm struggling. So I was I went through some thought processes. Purple saves the day, leads a double life. My initial <laughs> thought Sophia first was the first one, by the way. That was right, yes. Okay. Yep. Now my initial thought for this one was could it be Mr. Incredible? Because his original suit is a turquoisey blue colour. Leads a double life. Saves the day. Works for M.M. Now that was the bit that got me. I'm not sure. M.M. Mickey Mouse. Is it? Isn't it? Then I thought, disappears. Can't be him. Could it be that it's the Cheshire Cat? He's purple. He disappears. Doesn't need a double life. and doesn't save the day as such. But then I got to a point where I was absolutely... I thought about Randall. Disappears. Doesn't save the day as such. But kind of does in Monsters University. Um, 
So I was struggling, and I can be honestly say I am completely stumped by this one. Because if we're talking about Mickey Mouse, we're talking about a purple character, I just could not work out who it was. Right, I'm 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 gonna sort of not sort of stop you there. Go on. I'm I'm gonna add a, a sound effect which I think in my mind could sound like this guy. Go on. Which I've given you a clue there. Go on. Um but in reality it might not actually sound anything like it. But I'm gonna pull attention to the fact that he's talking about purple. Yeah, go on then. So I'm gonna do my sound effect. Yeah. And then bear in mind that this is a sound effect I'm gonna make by my body. You know, oh dear, gonna... this is a worry. Okay. PG moment. Go on then. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing. I can't do it. Hang on a second. I've got to... I'm smiling too much now. Right, okay. And I want okay. you to play the clip again and listen to it because I think you've you've okay. twisted what the uh, colour is. But I'm anyway, this is what I think the sound stop. effect should go like. Right, you ready? Go on then. Okay. Um, he's turquoise. He works for M.M. He disappears a lot. He leads a double life and saves the day. Right, so again, I still... I've, I honestly have not got a clue. I'm going right, to... What colour is he? He's turquoise. True. Right. He leads a double life. True. He's he he works for MM. Oh, this I, I think this is absolutely fantastic one to be honest. I don't think I'm going to get it. You have to tell me what it is. Gone. Perry the platypus. Ah. Oh. Agent P. Agent P. Major monogram, not Mickey Mouse. Ah. Damn it. Right, next one. My character is someone who keeps being called Buckethead. He's a friend of Spider-Man and his power is a power of electricity. Right, so initially... And that's all. I thought this could be Electro. Power of electricity, friends with Spider-Man, but he wasn't. He was the enemy of Spider-Man in the end. So I'm thinking this might be one to particularly get me. So thank you, Ben. Um, I'm going to go left field. And I think this might be Nova. Have you got the answer to this one? You know what? Yeah. I don't know if I do or not. Ah, well, I think this one's Nova. So I'm pretty certain his nickname was Buckethead. I don't think I've got the answer to this one. Okay, well, if you've got that one, uh, Vicky, please send that one in. Okay, next one then. She's got a lime plat and she's got a blue dress and she freezes Anna. Right, so she's got a long dress, she's got a long blue dress, she's got white hair, she freezes Anna. Well, there's only one person I think that can be. That's got to be Elsa. So that's Ava's one. So again, Vicky, send in. That's got to be got to be her. It's got to be Elsa. Right, let's go to Will then. This is Will's description. He is red. He red. has big wings. He still has air. He dates people. So, he's red. He's got big wings. He's on. red. He has big wings. He still has air. He dates people. Red, big wings. And what does he do with people? I don't know. He is red. 
He has big wings. He's good as air. He goes to people. Goes to people? I'm saying... Dusty Crop Hopper. <laughs> no, I got it completely wrong. Yeah. Oh, you're doing well, Adam. You're Go doing ahead. very well. Who is it? Have you got one out of... No, I've got two, I think, so far. I think. No, I've got three, I think. I've got one wrong. Yeah, you got more wrong than that. I've got... I've got I didn't get um, Perry right. I got the first one right, and I think I've got the other two right. So, go on. Okay. Um, Baymax. <sighs> He's red. Oh, suit's red. Okay, yeah, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, then. Thank you, Will. Right, Tom. He has a pumpkin on his head and a black suit with white stripes black street white sights pumpkin on his head now i think i don't think it's a pumpkin i think it's a skeleton i think this is jack skellington from nightmare before christmas it is jack skellington yeah and he, he, he does have a pumpkin on his head he does at one point doesn't he but yeah. he's actually got a skeleton for most of it but that's fine thank you tom right okay uh annie let's see what annie's got okay then annie we've got a question for you can you describe your favourite character, but without giving too many clues away? And you can't use a name. All right? Are you going to try then? Go on. Beautiful. Cute. Beautiful and cute. Beautiful and cute. What else? And she has a blue dress. A blue dress. And then she has white hair. Yeah. And she has blue shoes. Blue shoes, wow. And she has blue powers. Powers. Anything else? No. Okay. No. <laughs> okay, thank you. Right, thank you, Annie. That one, again, I think has got to be Elsa. It is Elsa. Yeah. I, lo I love the way she's got blue powers. Blue powers. Love the blue powers. Right, Jake. I live the let's... blue house with blue powers. <laughs> let's see what Jake's got. Right then, Jake. It's your turn now. Please, can you describe your favourite character to Adam, for him to guess? So, he has blue fur. He has a tail with lines. He has, he has blue eyes. He has whiskers. Funny ears, and he also has funny teeth. Bye. Right, blue fur, blue eyes, whiskers, tail with lines on it. Whiskers. Okay, immediately two come into my head. Sully or Stitch. Stitch, I don't think, has got a tail. Sully has got a tail. I don't think it's got lines on it. I'm keeping as quiet as possible because I don't want to give any clues. It could go either way, couldn't it? It could. Right, purely for the fact that Stitch doesn't have a tail. I'm going to say Sully. Well, I'm going to give you the answer in my best French accent. It is Remy. Oh, man. Yep, okay. Jake gets me. See, I told you, characters are my downfall. Right, Amy, let's see what she says. 
Okay then, Amy, your turn now. Would you like to describe a Disney character for Adam to guess, please? Yes. Well, this person has blonde hair, a green dress, she's always greedy and she loves jewellery. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. So green dress, blonde hair. Bye, Amy. Thank you. Greedy. So, likes jewellery. So she likes sparkly things. I think this is Tinkerbell. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say Tinkerbell. You're wrong. Oh. It's Princess Amber from Sophia's Sophia the First. Yeah. Oh, well, you see, I don't know Sophia the First well enough. Oh, man. Was Harry harsh. not into Sophia the First? No, Harry's not into Sophia the First. Oh, well, you, you want, no. should watch it. It's actually quite good. Is it? Okay. So yeah. I, I wouldn't have had a clue. No, no idea about that one. Okay. Right, let's go to Abby's then. Um, here we go. Who got? Who got? Who got? Uh, ears. A bow. Red colour bow. Spots. I think I've got this. The white gloves. Red dress. Spots on her dress. Lello uh, shoes. Tail. Her a mouse. <laughs> it's like she's reading bullet points, isn't it? <laughs> Have you bullet pointed this character to her? God, let's see this. That's Minnie Mouse. It is Minnie Mouse, yeah. by the way. Sorry. Okay, that was fine. <laughs> that was, I got that one. That's fine. Usually, it's stock answer, I think, for Abby, is Minnie Mouse. So, I'm just, if I'm ever in doubt, Minnie Mouse is the answer. Okay, Imogen, yeah. let's see what we got. She has red hair, red lipstick, a red sparkly dress, purple gloves, red um, shoes, and a yellow earring. And she is a singer. Okay, got this one. This and is a. She, uh, is a singer. Oh, there we go. She's a singer. So Imogen even sang it. It was nice of her. Um, this is a film I think I watched a couple of weeks ago. It was every boy's childhood crush that shouldn't be because it's a cartoon character. I hope I've got this right. Though. <laughs> that was really silly. Um, this has got to be Jessica Rabbit. You filthy mag! How can you? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just it There we go. Woo, that wasn't bad. Uh, I, yeah, Sophia the First is not my strongest. Um, and clearly, Remy and uh, Agent P. I, can't, I watched Fitness of Ferb today as well. How did I not pick that one up? That's horrendous. Oh, well, there I it is. So, In a, in a way, you sort, of, you sort of forget that it's anything to do with Disney, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. It's, when you think Disney characters and think kids, I always think they're going to come up with something that's like really obvious from a classic film. And it turns yeah. out that clearly you, you parents have got involved and tried to make it difficult. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so there we go. Well, what's our next topic? Um, we've done Tomorrow's Child. Oh, what could, which one do you want to do? Attraction? Or... No, no, what's our next Tomorrow's Child topic is what I'm talking about. Ah, right. Well, <clears throat> sorry for clearing my throat there. I think we're going to have to sort of own up to a slight break in the um, programming. Yes. Um, over the next couple of shows, we're going to have the next Disney Brit Bite Size, but starting from the next Disney Brit show, 
we're going to have a little break and we're going to do something a little bit different. Yes, we are, which is, don't worry, Disney Brit Radio Show will continue as it does. It's just going to be a slightly different format for a few shows. Yeah, and we're going to do four shows straight after each other, sort of on every week. Um, so Disney Brit Bite Size is going to have a couple of misses as well. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do park overviews. We're going to basically do a, a guided tour of the parks so that everyone's geared up, ready for the summer. Yeah. So if you're heading out to the parks, the idea is, is these shows will be of a length, which will give you loads of details that you need to know about each of the parks. Um, it, we kind of did Around the World in 80 segments. And what we felt with that, and the reason we stopped it was because as useful as it is and as much as we're going around all the parks and it's wonderful and works the issue was that we weren't necessarily giving you everything together and people were having to search through for this particular bit and this particular bit so what we could do is to create an entire show just on the Magic Kingdom one on Epcot one on this and one on this so that if you were planning to go away you could listen to it as a family or you could listen to it on the plane on the way over you could take it with you all those sort of things so it gives you something that you can um, sort of use as a resource I suppose that's kind of what we wanted to do yeah. with it and we'll add, we'll add in things that we recommend that you get on fast pass if you're yeah. early enough. Yeah. Um, ADRs, etc. So. And also like planning things, so you know apps to get and all that sort of stuff as well. So. Yeah. That will be sort of next week and a few weeks uh, after that as well. Right. We have one more thing to do. It's this. So what we're trying to do is find Disney's ultimate attraction and uh, we, uh, oh no, I, I, do you know what, I've completely missed something out. I'm going to stop that. Oh, you should have one of those sound effects of like a, a scratch record. Scratch record, yeah, because no, I try not to make mistakes, so I don't want a mistake in just in case. Um, Cinderella, that's what we wanted Cinderella, to talk about. Cinderella, Cinderella. Alan, you went to see Cinderella yeah. this week, didn't you? In fact, yeah. today you went to see Cinderella. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about it, or you to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I've um, I went to the cinema with my family today, and it's not often I get a chance to take the full family. Yeah. Um, usually it's my wife's at work. I've got a day off. I take one of the kids, but we actually all decided to go as a full family. And I've got to admit that I had a bit of a reluctance to go to see Cinderella. Right. My reasoning for it was, I've seen the cartoon. I wasn't really, no, I, I didn't love it. it. It was good, but it's it's horribly dated. But that's obviously the, because of the time it was done. Um, and I'm not a great fan of live-action remakes. There's just something about it that didn't seem to doesn't seem to work for me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll go along because the kids want to see it. And as I got to the cinema, and I, I then worked out this Frozen Fever was going to be on before it. So I thought, oh well, it's you know it's a bit more exciting. Yeah. And I'll have something to report back. I'm going to skip to the end of the whole thing by saying that my wife hated it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. She, for some reason, didn't like it at all. Right. However, I will say that I absolutely loved it. Now, that's two total opposites from yeah. the same film. Yeah. And they're both extreme reactions. Okay. Um. My wife said that her, her viewpoint of her hating it was it was too predictable. Now well, I said it's... that's the equivalent of going to see Titanic and not expecting it to sink. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I'm, you, you know what the story is, but she said it's too predictable. I, I totally loved it um, from the beginning. The What they've done by making this film, they've sort of got the story, they've 
developed it a bit further. There was a bit of the story which I didn't really know much about, probably because it's been that long since I watched the cartoon. Yeah. Um, for example, it talks upon the fact that um, Cinderella's um, loses her parents. Right. I don't know if that's in the original cartoon or not. I don't um, think it but, is. No, I don't think. Well, if it is, it's not really touched upon too much. And then when you when you think about it, she's living with a stepmother and stepsisters, and her dad's not there. So you know, it sort of makes sense. But you know, it goes into it, develops the story much further. Um, it also gives it an outline on the story that isn't too fairy tale. It sort of has, has an element of realism to it. You know, you, you could believe that it's it's sort of a modern well. The modern version is Downton Abbey in a way. Right, okay. That sounds so wrong. That sounds so wrong. Because it's it's set in an old-fashioned time of kings and queens and royalty and regalness that was ruling kingdoms. Okay, exclusion in the UK. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't have that sort of period drama quality to it where, personally, I'm not a lover of Downton Abbey and I'm not a lover of when they do period dramas and the talk about his master is in the stables you know yeah you know the, the way they sort of do that talk and it it was it was it was quite modern the, the language they were using and it it wasn't too fairy tale there was obviously when the um fairy godmother comes along and does the magical spells there is that element of fantasy there yeah but it was quite believable and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed it i will say that from the beginning Literally within the first five minutes, I had tears. Okay, so we had the, it had Alan crying. Yeah, you know, you know when you go to see the Disney parades, yeah, and the music and everything sort of combines to the point where it's you actually you feel it. Yes. Within the first five minutes of the film, I was involved in the film. You were blubbing. Yeah, and it, 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 I don't know if it's the fact that it's, well. She loses her parents. I'm not going to say how that happens, but she does. Yeah. And it it, it just sets up the f- whole film, and the I think the music in it takes over it as well. You know, it, it gives you such a pace to the film. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Although there's not much singing, it's not a musical film. Okay. So they've they've yeah. have they actually put any of the songs in it at all? There's no songs of the Disney songs in it. She does sing a song. But it's it's more incidental music that she's singing a song that a, a mum used to sing to her as a child. Right, so it's, it's part. Of so it's not like a big sh- show blockbuster number. Fair it's enough. it's it's just sort of she's singing to herself. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but the, it, it's absolutely fantastic. I, I probably would go to see it again. Um, in reality, I'm not going to because to take a family of four, it was nearly forty quid. Yeah, it's not cheap. And. Um, my four-year-old was still had to pay for a ticket, and I was uh, not miffed at that, but it was what it was. Yeah. Um, but definitely worth going to see. And so you're you know, recommending it as a good Easter family film? Oh, totally. Okay. If, well, to be fair, you've got the school holidays coming up. Exactly. Oh, you have. Make yeah, sure you've got school holidays going to see it. I, on the other hand, went to see Home yesterday. My review is this. So, um, quite clearly, you, I, I chose the wrong I didn't choose the wrong film. Harry chose it. But um, So, Cinderella is a thumbs up for you. Now, you, also as part of this, which is probably one of the things that people are also going to see this for, if nothing else, Frozen Fever. Do you want to give us a quick, very quick review of Frozen Fever? Frozen Fever is a 
cheesy song that um, pulls you through it. It lasts about three to four minutes. Yeah. And it features all the best bits of Frozen in terms of the character interaction. Yeah. There's some scenes that at one point I thought of they just cut and paste a scene from the main film. Um, the song isn't as good as the songs that are in the main film, but I think obviously as a as a short, short it's never yeah. going to have as much effort put into it. Yeah. Um, but there was a nice addition, and I think this is even in the advertising of the little um, little snow babies. I'll call them. Okay. Um, it's almost like Olaf's Olaf's offspring. Right. And um, essentially, every time that Elsa sneezes, one of these appears. Right. Okay. Um, and I think that well, I might as well give it all away here. Essentially, the frozen fever refers to the fact that Elsa has a cold. A cold. And I won't go any further because that'll just ruin one of the big jokes in it. Okay. Leave it there. But again, well worth seeing. Um, it's you know I, w- I wouldn't if it was on a standalone DVD to buy just that at a couple of dollars. But I it, wouldn't pay for it. But it's it's okay as an intro. But it's okay as a, as a build up to Cinderella, and certainly Cinderella was definitely worth it. Okay, sounds good to me. Right, so there we go. There's uh, Alan's review for Cinderella. So go and see it. It's well worth going to see. That means then we have to now. I'm going to start again. We are now going to do this. Okay, we are now going to Disney's Ultimate Attraction, and uh, we've got uh, four attractions that we want to talk about. Let's go through them. Well, four pairings of attractions. So, uh, you've been voting over the past few weeks for Living with the Land versus Space Splash Mountain, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin versus Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad versus It's Tough to Be a Bug, and Turtle Talk with Crush versus Jungle Cruise. Now, I know we're running over on time a little bit, but what we wanted to do a little bit this time it just give you some information about those attractions that are dropping out because um, we're kind of going to start, I think, losing some bigger attractions now. Uh, those yeah, work that some people do like. So I think it'd be good to talk about those as they go. So let's start off then with uh, Living with the Land versus um, Splash Mountain. So, Alan, do you want to start us off? Living with the Land versus Splash Mountain. Which one do you want to keep and which one do you want to get rid of? So where are you going oh. with this one? I don't even know what this music's from, but I'm sing- It's from the I'm land. swaying along to it. It's from the land pavilion. There we go. Okay. Well, this, this I cool. personally, out of the two of them rides or yeah. attractions, I prefer living with the land. Okay. Epcot has an educational quality to it, and living with the land is a very unique attraction. And also living with the land doesn't have any drops in it, does it, Alan? It doesn't have any drops in it. <laughs> Apart from when you go off the loading dock. Yes, which... It, it can catch you out, that one. Um, I have been on Splash Mountain. I have been on it twice. Um, the first time was because my daughter wanted to go on it, and I didn't want to be the big Worst. dad that didn't want yeah. to go on it. I, was, I didn't want to use any terms like that. But the second time she went on it, as soon as we left the um, loading dock, yeah. my daughter said, I need a wee. And as we're going up the slow lift hill and the water's starting to splash on you, I need a wee, I'm desperate for a wee, I need a wee, I need a wee. And I didn't know if it was just scared she wanted to get off the ride or what, but at that point, once you've left the start, you can't get off. So, um, yeah, I did, I, Splash Mountain's alright, I'll probably do it again this year. I like the actual the bit of it I where it goes Splash into Mountain. almost like a roller coaster bit into the dark section. Okay. 
Um, but living with the land, I will definitely keep that one because I think it's it's unique. Okay. And, you know, there's nothing else like it. That's interesting. So you're keeping living with the land. Um, I'm Splash Mountain all the way. I love Splash Mountain. It's a fantastic attraction. It's great that Disney have been able to take a film of which they aren't really allowed, can't really do a lot with these days. Not because you know that we can't watch it but because of the content of it and the way that it was dealt with and people aren't necessarily so happy about it so they will manage to take the the safe element i suppose of that film and turn it into what is a really a great attraction and what is is an e-ticket without shadow of a doubt living with the land i also like my problem with living with the land it is a little bit of a shell of its former self they got rid of the live cast member who would uh, do that spiel as part of the attraction and they sort of disappeared and it's a shame that they did um and as much as I like it, it's, do you know, it's one of those things, um, I, it's a little bit like really bad television. You don't really want to watch it, but yet you can't turn yourself away from it. And Living With The Land's a little bit like that. It's not a great attraction, but yet something always draws you to it. You always have to go on it, even though it's not changed much and there's not that much there. Um, so I, I know of, one thing that would draw you to it. Yeah, go on. Lack of queue. Well, you say that. Uh, in the summer, I went at one point, and it was a 25-minute queue. Um, See? So, There's demand there. So look at that. Um, but it doesn't matter anyway, because you lot have all voted, and you put Splash Mountain through to the next round, and Living With The Land goes out. So uh, that means Living With The Land we say goodbye to. So let's talk a little bit about Living With The Land then, shall we? Um, it's, it's an opening day attraction at Epcot. It had opened on the 1st of October 1982. It didn't originally start out in the way that it did. And it was supposed to be, uh, well, it, when it was originally open, Kraft said that they were going to sponsor the attraction, which began to sort of give it sort of idea of where it's going to go. Originally, it was supposed to be a logging company that were going to sponsor the pavilion, and that meant that it was going to have a slightly different outlook. But then suddenly things changed when this logging company pulled out, and the design of the pavilion completely changed, the attractions within it completely changed, and it then became a bit of an, a sort of focus on agriculture with regards to the land and uh, how we grow things and how we look after the circle of life and all those sort of bits and pieces. So Imagineers came up with this open top boat ride kind of idea that would take guests through stories to do with earth's habitats it would look at a man's effect on earth and how we looked after it and then you would have a second half of the attraction which would be a tour of this working greenhouse and it would talk about new technologies within agriculture and all these techniques and all these bits and pieces and then as the development of listening to the land as it was known originally started to happen there were two sort of really big changes that happened first there was the the fact that the greenhouses that were added to the attraction they became permanent as opposed to what were originally going to be temporary structures then they decided to keep them and make these permanent additions and then the second change was that they had to add canopies to the boats themselves because as they begin to develop the attraction particularly the first half or sort of what you could always describe as the dark ride half of the attraction they decided to add real rain effects to the rainforest and it meant <laughs> people were starting to get wet so they had to add the roofs onto those particular boats as well to make sure they were covered. And then Listening to the Land opened, say, with the rest of the pavilion on the 1st of October 1982. Uh, it stayed Listening to the Land uh, all the way until Nestle assumed sponsorship of the Land Pavilion in 1993. And then oh, it was the 23rd of September 93 that Listening to the Land then closed for refurbishment and the rest of the pavilion would sort of get its update as it went on over the next year and a half but during the renovations there was the symphony of the seed opening scene that was originally there i don't know whether you remember that 
as part of Listen to the Land. Um, that disappeared, completely removed, and they expanded the rainforest scene. Uh, they then added automatic narration that was installed to the first half of the attraction, and the Reminds theme song, Listen to the Land, then disappeared, yep. and it was obviously changed. Um, the Symphony of the Scene recapped... Um, that was kind of that concluded the original taxon so it was taken out and replaced with a collage of people from agriculture all over the world there was that all those different images that start appearing and disappearing and then it reopened on the 10th of December 93 as living with the land and then following those changes in 93 um very little has changed in the attraction until 2006 when at that time the boat captains were removed completely from the attraction and was replaced with a brand new uh, narration all the way through and I think this is one of the biggest shames about um, the attraction I think I've spoken about it before more yeah. so the fact that the boats used to get stuck at times and you've never seen panic on the faces of those narrators when you were stuck <laughs> in the water and you couldn't go anywhere but I think it's a real shame because they added such a personal element to it and they added this idea of kind of being able to answer questions that you didn't necessarily yeah. in, in theory if you weren't sure what particular plant was you'd be able to point it and someone would be able to tell you yeah and um, it was August 1st 2011 that Chiquita Brands International then announced it would be sponsoring Living with the Land and that's kind of the last change that sort of happened it's obviously Fast Pass and all those bits and pieces one of the things I liked about this attraction was that it was part of Walt's vision you know he wanted Epcot to be this scientific experimentation and all these things would happen you know calling it experimental prototype community of tomorrow and Living with the Land kind of lives within that kind of yeah. idea I suppose I think um, the idea, what I believe Epcot was, that it was almost self-sufficiency. Yeah. Um, you're living and you're working within the same areas and sort of this was a technology for being able to grow yeah. crops. And that's yeah. what they were, they were sort of looking at. So um, so just to quickly go through some of the things you're experiencing there, just a couple of facts for you really. First part of the ride, obviously the dark ride element, takes you on a boat ride, you go through a rainforest in the middle of a thunderstorm, you go through a desert scene, you go through American Prairie. They were actually elements that were remnants of really the western river expansion or expedition rise sorry the western river expedition that was created for the magic kingdom was never built never used it but all of those scenes were built for that and then were used 35 audio animatronics in the attraction uh, the scenes basically consist of those and you go into the greenhouses where you've got the tropical greenhouse the temperate greenhouse the string greenhouse the creative greenhouse the aquacell and in there you've got loads of wonderful plants and over 30 tons of produce is actually produced for the gardens each from the gardens each year that is used and made uh, in the parks and used it for all those different bits of food and apparently the tomato tree produces over 32,000 tomatoes over a 16-month period, which is massive. A crazy amount, isn't it? It's crazy amount. Um, have you ever done the um, behind-the-scenes behind the No, I've not had a chance to do behind-the-scenes yet. That's one of the things I do want to try, but I've not had a chance to do it yet. I've got it booked this year. You have? Yeah. Well, you have to let us know what it's like. Okay, moving on then. It's our next pairing. It's Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin versus Rock and Roller Coaster. Alan, what are you going for? Buzz Lightyear. Or rock and roller coaster. Ooh, but it's actually, it. believe it or not, for me, it's actually quite a hard choice because Buzz Lightyear is a bit, yeah, yeah. It's it's like Toy Story Mania, but not as good. Yeah. Um, it's like Haunted Mansion, but slightly better. Yeah. Um, but rock and roller coaster is something different. You know, there's. It's a fast roller coaster that throws you back into your seat and rattles your head around in the headrest. That is true. Oh, I'm gonna bear in mind that I'm I'm a big wuss. Yeah, I'll use that term now. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go Space Ranger. Okay, you're going Space Ranger spin. So my thought with with this is I look I do like Rock and Roller Coaster. You know, it's, it was Disney's first attraction that has any sort of inversion or loop as part of it, which is great. Um, but my biggest concern with Rock and Roller Coaster was the fact that it's an off-the-shelf coaster in all intents and purposes. There are other versions of that coaster available. There is an outdoor version of the coaster, an identical outdoor version of the coaster um, in, and I forget the name of the park that it's in. Uh, what? It's in Europe. Ah, oh, that's going to annoy me because I, I knew what it was and I've forgotten what it was. Um, anyway, what... Um, what was kind of quite annoying about it is the fact that it is, like I say, oh, it's it's in Wallaby, uh, Wallaby, Holland. That's where it is. Um, it's basically have an outdoor version of Rock and Roller Coaster there, and it's it's uh, I think an in, interim coaster. And it was although Disney came up with having the whole storyline and making it in the dark and all those bits and pieces, which is really cool. My concern was it was that it wasn't Disney Imagineers have fit, managed to fit something around something that already exists whereas with Buzz Lightyear it's a it's a new attraction it's an original attraction it's imagined designed and created and for me it is more of a Disney attraction because of the fact that it is a based on Disney property and b designed by the Imagineers Rock and Roller Coaster doesn't necessarily fit within Hollywood Studios in the sense that it fits within the idea of films and that sort of stuff yes it's got Aerosmith in it yes it's got a Disney feel to it, but it's not really that Disney-esque attraction is my biggest yeah. problem. Actually, actually when, you, when you actually do expend, explain it like that, it, what has it got to do with film? It hasn't. You know, you're going off to a gig in LA. It's, with, it's not even that they're recording a the soundtrack no, for a film. No, it's nothing film-related at all, nor television-related, it's music-related. And actually, how many other attractions in there do you have that are not film or television-related? I, I, I struggle, you know, American Idol was there, that was TV related. So it's a bizarre choice of attraction. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Nothing. you guys have voted. Uh, I've, uh, I'm going for Buzz Lightyear. Most of you have gone for Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear does not rock and roller coaster out. Um, so we say goodbye to rock and roller coaster, which again doesn't surprise me. I think, you know, a lot of people are. I love Buzz Lightyear and enjoy it as a family attraction. But the roots of Rock and Roller Coaster do go back to 1990. And we have the addition of Sunset Boulevard. And as they expanded what was Disney MGM Studios at the time. It had loads of different plots. They had a variety of attractions, including this new roller coaster. You know, Disney began working on this coaster. Originally, they, were, they titled it Rocking Roller Coaster. Um, it was about the mid-90s they started to think about it. And it, one of the early concepts for the attraction had this idea that roller co this roller coaster would actually loop over World Drive. Um, and it would part of it would be outdoors, but the construction did start back in in early 1998, and the track was then completed in June, and then in March of 99, testing began on the attraction with the hope that the roller coaster would open sometime in the following June, but not being open to the public yet, it was actually Aerosmith's members, Joe Perry, Steve Tyler, um, they actually went in about June 99, loved it, rode it 12 times in a row, and absolutely loved the attraction. And then it did open about a fortnight later, 26th of June 1999, they had the grand opening taking place, well soft openings were then, grand opening taking place on the 29th of July 99. Uh, Aerosmith were obviously on hand for the event, and then since its opening, it's not really seen many changes. 2008, Haynes came in as the official sponsor, but other than that, 
very little has changed in that particular attraction. Just to give you some info about it, um, 0 to 60 in less than three seconds. Two loops, one corkscrew. On the first loop, you're pulling between four and five Gs, which is more than you get in a space shuttle astronaut kind of feels in a space shuttle. So it's actually quite a quite a few Gs in that. Um, it's got uh, ride takes about three minutes twelve seconds, which is apparently is exactly the same length of time as Aerosmith's best song, as people say, "Sweet Emotions." 125 speakers, including 24 subwoofers. Each car has 32,000 watts of onboard audio. 3,406 feet of track and over 900 speakers inside the ride alone. The um, the actual attraction's queue line has up to 60 hours of music that it plays before it, it can play, before it then repeats itself, which is a massive amount of uh, music in total. Yeah, totally. It was obviously built on the expansion, so Rock and Roller Coaster is actually built on an old cast member's parking lot. The Stratocaster guitar is about 40 feet tall, but Disney did uh, ask them to re-record some of the lyrics. So actually some of the lyrics to the attraction have changed. The, the song for Aerosmith's Love in an Elevator did change to Love in a Roller Coaster. And uh, depending on which ride vehicle you get in depends on what you get to experience. So they've actually got different soundtracks. So 1QK Limo has actually got the song Nine Lives in the background. If you go in You Go Girl, you'll get Walk This Way and Love in an Elevator. Bye Bye gets Young Lust, Fine and Love in an Elevator. Uh, hate Traffic, H8 Traffic, gets Back in the Saddle and Dude Looks Like a Lady. And Too Fast For You gets Sweet Emotion Live. So uh, different ones get different attractions. You'll see there's five vehicles there. There is a six they can swap out for as well, and that kind of rotates about with the other five after several thousand laps of doing the attraction they change it out and then they can change that up so there you go rock and roller coaster yeah good riddance good riddance yeah we're not we, we don't mind you but uh, you're not for us we prefer there you go live in an elevator um, so yeah it's not a bad attraction but it's certainly not one we're, there we're thinking uh, we're gonna miss. I don't. I've, I've insisted on doing it once in each park. So have you actually done it? I have done it. Oh, I've yeah, done them um, Florida's one and I've done Paris's one. Okay, right. So moving on, then we're gonna go on to our next pairing, which is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad versus. We're so here we go. We're going Big Thunder Mountain versus. It's tough to be a bug. So Alan, which one are you voting for? Um. I actually love It's Tough to Be a Bug. I think it's great. It's in my favourite park, which I'll keep going on about. Yeah. Animal Kingdom is the best. Um, the concept of there's so much interaction around you is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, it's, it's in your seats, it's above your head, it's, it's all around the theatre, and it's 3D or 4D or whatever 4D, yeah. technology you want to call it. I absolutely love it. It does tend to have elements of being broken down quite often. Quite often I've not seen Hopper on it. Yeah, there are hop issues, um, Hopper issues. Big Thunder Mountain, you know, it's, it's got, I suppose it's queue systems all being overhauled. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with stuff to be a bug because it's, I you're think going, it's good. Right, you're going to have to be a bug. Big Thunder Mountain for me is is what we would I would class as a classic attraction. It's tough to be a bug. I like the problem with tough to be a bug is the bug's life. Although it was a good film, I wouldn't say it was one of Pixar's classics. No. And um, it means that tough to be a bug is a, a central attraction in 
side Animal Kingdom for a, a film that didn't necessarily do as well as they hoped. Big Thunder Mountain, on the other hand, um, was built in the 80s and still exists and people still love it and it gets massive cues. Tough to be a bug, not necessarily so much. I'm going Big Thunder Mountain. Interesting you went Tough to be a bug. You're the only person who's voted for it's Tough to be a bug. Everyone else is pleased to see it gone, which is... A shame, I suppose. We did talk about stuff to be a book a little bit on the Disney Rip Bite Size last week when we talked about the Tree of Life because this obviously is found underneath the Tree of Life. Uh, originally, Disney didn't want a, a show there. Originally, wanted a, a sit-down restaurant to be built inside this attraction. I think I'm pretty certain you talked about this on last week's show, did you not? I can't remember. Did you, Alan, talk about that last week's show? You might have done. I don't remember. But um, certainly... One of the things about it was that uh, they wanted this um, restaurant in there and they couldn't put the restaurant in there. So instead, they uh, decided to build an attraction. So early on, Disney decided they would have to come up with some sort of attraction for it. They wanted to have a show that obviously fits with the theme of nature and conservation. They originally had this idea that they pitched for the attraction, which would be a film which would show guests the wonders of nature. And they thought they could use characters from The Lion King. It was recently popular. It was a good idea. But then Disney Imagineers felt that maybe that concept was far too similar to the Circle of Life film over in Epcot. Then Disney's CEO of the time, Michael Eisner, came up with a suggestion that maybe the show could be about insects. And due to the fact that they were also part of Animal Kingdom, this idea of living under a tree came up. And then Eisner went on to say that there was this film that was coming out called A Bug's Life. It was set to be released seven months after the original park opened. So Imagineers kind of quite liked this idea, thought that it would work quite well. And then on April 22nd, 1998, it's tough to be a book open with the rest of Animal Kingdom. And uh, it's not really seen many changes since it's opened. But what's really interesting is it had opened seven months before Books Life premiered in the US. So everyone went to see it originally. And they didn't have any idea that uh that of who these characters were so to speak and um book's life was born it's about doing um advertising but in the wrong way around isn't it yeah a little bit yeah so people go and see who is this hopper who is this who is this flick etc but it's designed to be a theater it's designed that they're inviting you into their bug world you know the whole pre-show area is set up so you've got insect musicals that are supposed to be up on the side so you've got um my fair ladybug is one you've got website story and the little shop of hoppers is in there as well. Is there and you've Beauty and the Bees? Got Beauty and the Bees, which you can hear in the background right now, the most annoying piece of music ever written. Um, brilliant. So Beauty and the Bees is in there too, loads of them. But the idea is it's supposed to parody a show. So all of the songs you'll see will kind of parody some sort of famous Broadway style in some way. But the theatre obviously houses it's tough to be, but it's known as the Tree of Life Theatre. Um, they use over 50 different odours that were tested by Imagineers before the smell of the stink bug was agreed. Shows last nine minutes. Um, there are uh, 40 different fans used in there in order to create the 4D effects. And then obviously the theatre can hold about 430 people plus bugs, for those of you who've been to see it and know exactly what that is. Um, I'm going to... You know this one because it's, it's going out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add another bad point to it. Go on. If you ever look at it with some lights on, yeah, at the seat in front of you, yeah, where the effects come out into your face, have a look at the amount of crust on oh, the. Oh, don't, don't, event. it's wrong, it's wrong, don't. You just want oh, weird. Anyway, that's tough to be a bug gone. We'll say goodbye to that one, which leaves us with our final pair. It's that another place. Pixar attraction, which is Turtle Talk with Crush, and that is coming up against. The Jungle Cruise. So, Alan, what are you saving? 
The Jungle Cruise, or Turtle Talk with Crush. Ooh. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Two completely different attractions to each other. Yeah, they're not, not even similar in any way at all. No. Um, Turtle Talk, Talk is good, and it's amusing. However, there doesn't seem to be the repeatability of it, but then again, oh... Jungle Cruise is essentially a, a word-for-word rapid script, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's... So that's the comparison. They're, they're both the same with bad jokes. Yes. Oh, I, th- I think I think I'll go Jungle Cruise because I think there's more more to do. You know, you can you can sit there, you can look at stuff. You don't have to even be in, involved in the show. Whereas if you do Turtle Talk, you're just sitting in a cinema. Yeah, yeah, in theory. Well, the thing is with both of these, they've both got what we call rewritability. Turtle Talk with Crush, you go, and depending on who's in there and how the answer depends on what Crush does. But equally. With Jungle Cruise, it depends on what skipper you get, depends on what kind of jokes you get. So between the two of them, they can be very, very different kind of attractions each time yeah. you go into them. Um, but on top of that, Jungle Cruise can also take on different guises depending on when you ride it. You ride Jungle Cruise in the day, it's different to when it is at night. You go to Turtle Talk with Crush, then actually it can depend on how many people are in the theatre and the kind of people that are in there as the kind of experience you get. Whereas Jungle Cruise, you get the skipper every time. They say that they tell you the jokes every time, no matter how many people are in that particular vehicle. Again, Jungle Cruise is a classic. It's a it's a Walt Disney original. You know, uh, yeah. Disney came up with the concept of Jungle Cruise. Originally wanted the real animals in there, which obviously didn't happen. Whereas Turtle Talk with Crush... I like, and I like what they've done with it, but I, I don't think it outweighs Jungle Cruise by any shadow of a doubt. And you guys agree, you know, we had a, a, a good swing towards Jungle Cruise. See what I did there? Jungle I do. It was, it was awesome, um, Adam. You were the best. Yeah. When you've been, seen Turtle, Turtle Talk, Yeah. do you always get the one where the whale squashes the fish up against the screen? No, we, I don't, we've not seen that one for a long time. Right. Well, I'd always get the same same effect. Oh, so that's... Bad luck. So, Turtle Talk with Crush then is going out. We say goodbye to that, but it does mean that uh, our good old friends, uh, good old, oh, I've lost my script. It's just gone off the screen. Good old friend Jungle Cruise is still in. There we go. So, what we got with Turtle Talk with Crush then? So, obviously, opened as part of the reimagined The Seas with Nemo and Friends. Uh, first opened in November 16th, 2004. Um, became, well, it actually opened as part of the Living Seas Pavilion in 2004, and then it later became The Seas with Nemo and Friends as it expanded. Uh, it was actually duplicated at California Adventure in July 2005, and then the attraction opened in Hong Kong in uh, May. Uh, from May, well, it was actually part of their celebration there, something called the Non-Stop Summer Fun, and it opened in Hong Kong Disneyland from May 24th to August 10th, 2008, and then disappeared. And the attraction opened in Tokyo Disney Sea on the 1st of October 2009. Now, one of the things about this attraction that I really like is it has taken on many forms. It's obviously appeared in the in the parks, but also, for those of you who've been on both the Disney Dream and the Disney Fantasy, it now appears as part of Animator's Palette, so one of the evening meals that you have while you're on the cruise line. They do that. But Turtle Talk with Crush then became the first ever Disney park attraction that was created for the parks to then appear outside of the park. They uh, ended up at the CHOC 
Bill Holmes Hospital and it was actually donated by the Imagineers back in early 2013 and was there to entertain children, child patients and their siblings. And it was the first attraction Imagineers had placed in a non-Disney environment rather than the other way around. Yes, we had It's a Small World and, and Carousel of Progress and all those bits and pieces, but that was the other way around. They came into the parks. Um, so that still now exists there. They do about two to three shows a day and then the rest of the time they have this sort of seascape in the background. But the show blends computer graphics, uh, image projection and this interactive kind of improvisation style as well. Um, the screen they call the window to the Pacific. It's actually a rear projection screen and it's supposed to animate this under the sea area that obviously Crush comes into. Crush's uh, computer-generated avatar, we, they call them, it's actually controlled by a puppeteer cast member who's actually backstage. They voice it and then they uh, interact and react in the way that Crush does as they're doing that. His you know, movements and his voice activated limb syncs are actually, and this is the amazing bit, because they're rendered as it goes. It's not like they've pre-thought this or pre-planned this or pre-come up with an idea for it. It literally right. happens as as they go, you know, these reactions and things. I, I always thought it was just stock stuff that was added together. Yeah, no, no it's, it, I think they have those stock elements, but the majority of it is, it happens as it goes. It's 60 frames per second it's projected at. So we're right. not talking about anything sort of really simple here. It's the same, obviously, technology they use for, for Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. So as the actor speaks, the turtle's mouth moves. You know, the, the puppetry that they use is just amazing this body motion idea and stuff like that it's just just sheer they should, brilliance they should do tours showing you all this they should really yeah it'd be amazing to get a tour or something like this obviously they then use cameras in the theater that are mounted so the hidden actors can see the audience and know who they're interacting with all those bits and pieces because they talk about specific appearances and behaviors of different people as you're watching the attraction but um it's it's semi-scripted it's semi-improvised and obviously depending on the response that you get from the guests depends on how it happens and obviously it's delivered in the style of crush um mm -hmm. But just, it's an amazing attraction, and it is sad that it's gone out, but, you know, I think we all agree that it doesn't necessarily beat the Jungle Cruise in any way. And there we go. There's, um... I don't know, there's, there, there is room for improvement, I think, in that. Yeah, I think you can add more storylines and those bits and pieces to it, but it is yeah. a great attraction, so... And um, also, I'm going to just sort of segue yeah. off to the Jungle Cruise. Yeah. They were supposed to be doing a live-action film of that, weren't they? There was talk of it at one point. Tom Hanks, I believe, was going to be in it. And then it seems to have gone by the wayside slightly. So I don't know what's happened to that. You, you, with the amount of Disney attraction films that are coming out at the moment, who knows? happening. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with all those bits and pieces that are going on. Right, well, there you go. That is our four pairings for Disney's ultimate attraction. Uh, we've got four more currently up on the website. If you go over to facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit podcast, you will find the next uh, four pairings for the next uh, round, which will be in a few weeks time because obviously we've got the special shows that we've got coming up over the next couple of weeks. But just to give you an idea on what it is that you're voting for, you're actually voting for the following. It's Festival of the Lion King versus O Canada. Magic Kingdom Welcome Show versus Walt Disney Enchanted Tiki Room. Test Track versus Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. That's going to be a toughie. Yeah, that's a tough one. And Main Street Trolley Show versus the Maharaja Jungle Track. So they're the next four that you're going to be voting easy. on. So, uh, most of them aren't, for me, are pretty easy. Except for one. 
Yeah, I think Test Track is the tough one, isn't it? Yeah, Test Track, Tomorrowland Transit Authority is a tough one. We'll see what happens with those. Right, we're going to take a very, very, very quick break, and then we shall return. We'll be back with you in one minute's time. Hey, I have the best-kept Disney World and Universal Studios vacation secret. Did you know that anyone can rent a sweet ride and truly get around fast with your pass inside the theme parks? Mom, tell them. Well, Scooter Vacations makes it fun all day long. You or someone you love deserves a best way to see everything. So why not relax and enjoy a true express ride with your pass? Scooter Vacations can arrange it and even deliver it to you. Get around the fun way? Have as much fun getting from ride to ride as being on the ride. They fit on buses, boats, and monorails, and some can fit in a car trunk. Upgrade your experience and scoot everywhere. Contact Scooter Vacations at 1-855-WDW-SCOOT. That's 1-855-WDW-SCOOT. Or on the web at scootorlando.com. That's S-C-O-O-T Orlando.com. S-C-O-O-T Orlando.com. Well, that is it. It's uh, the end of another show. Look at that. We've been going hour and 30-odd minutes, which is amazing. I think so, anyway. Um, so yeah. thank you for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget uh, about our sponsors, our wonderful sponsors, Orlando Attraction Tickets, and, of course, Scooter Vacations, which is scootorlando.com, and orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk. Please go visit both of those lovely people. I'll help you with all those elements of uh, your Disney vacation or Orlando vacation. Don't forget, you can go to Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit Podcast, and Twitter at Disney Brit, and follow us over there as well. And if you've got any questions, any comments, any suggestions, anything of that nature, do not forget to email us radio at disneybrit.com. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes for either our Disney Brit Bite Size or our standard Disney Brit show. Please leave us one over there so people can look at that and see how we're doing and see what you think to the show. And if you do want to ring us, you want to leave us a voicemail or you want to leave us maybe your uh, your child's entry for tomorrow's child or anything like that at all, you can ring us 0121 288 we will be back next week with uh, our next show, our next Disney Bit Bite Size, and then uh, after that we'll bring in those special shows. So, until then, we'll see ya. Swell!